A word from our sponsor, Von Seger Designs is a small Nebraska custom woodworking business making hand-burned customized wood pieces to be a statement in any room. Working with clients every step of the way, from hand-selecting the wood to customizing the design Von Segrin Designs, makes the process as smooth as possible. Specializing in items from themed bar carts and tables to cutting boards and signs so that you can show your team pride all year round. Show your Husker support in a unique and functional way. When you work with Von Segrin Designs, you support small businesses throughout the region. Allow Von Segrin Design to create a custom, fresh, hand-burned piece wood for your home or business. You can link up with them at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-D-N-E-S-I-1 and at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-N underscore designs. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, go Big Red, and uh, let's start the podcast. to throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the air touchdown Jordan Westerkamp Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest oh baby far side back to throw is Martinez now being chased throws it out a flat Burkhead makes a catch sets a tackle 25-20 Rex Burkhead touchdown Nebraska going on everybody thanks for joining us for the uh saturday morning service by church of the corn since we're not on the radio anymore we figure we're going to do something a little different and we're going to uh cover some national college football recruiting a bunch of other shit that's going on that we don't normally get to uh cover because we normally cover a lot of nebraska stuff big 10 stuff mainly so we're going to branch out a little bit here and See how it goes. Tell me if it sucks or not, but I think it'll be a pretty good one. You know, today we got a loaded show. Um, we're going to talk Heisman to start off with because obviously that's the big thing. Transfer portal. Um, I do want to break down some of the college football playoff games. I know it's a month away, but want to break those down a little bit. And then coaching hires throughout the country. Uh, we'll finish up with that. There's what I went with today was every coach that I thought was an A hire. I did leave Matt Rule off there because obviously being a Nebraska fan, I've broken it down numerous times. So I did leave Matt Rule off there, but there are some interesting ones on there. So let's go ahead and start off with the Heisman conversation today. Um, You know, three guys I think are extremely deserving. And then there's one that doesn't quite fit in. Um, one of these things is not like the other ones. So um, I'll start off with with C.J. Stroud, a quarterback from Ohio State who is one of the most physically impressive quarterbacks to play the position. 
He's got everything you want. He can run. He can throw the ball a quarter of a mile down the field. Um, I mean, the the kid is is very physically impressive. Now, um, the the one game that you could say is the one that's sticking in his craw right now is the Michigan game. Um, I think the Michigan game may be the one that took the Heisman away from him. Uh, there were a couple games throughout the year where he didn't play his what we're used to seeing out of him, which is 70-plus completions and two to three touchdowns minimum a game. But um, Stroud's a very impressive quarterback who will be a top-five pick in the draft. Um, so he may not win the Heisman. Uh, still put up 37 touchdowns this year, which that alone in itself is, is extremely impressive. Um I know it doesn't sound like 37 touchdowns nowadays is impressive, but it is. So um, that, you know, I don't think Stroud wins it, but uh, move on to the next one. Max Duggan, quarterback from TCU, is just a gritty ass dude. And he's ginger. Um, So, you know, he doesn't feel anything, but um, he just finds a way to will his team to victory. I mean, let's just call it what it is. The guy is. Under Sonny Dykes is a winner. Um, he's done some great things this year. You know, you've seen him get benched. He started as a freshman. Um, Council Bluffs kid that Nebraska, or I should say Scott Frost, said that he doesn't fit in here. And so I guess we see how that went. Um, but, you know, he made his way to a Big 12 title game. Um, they beat multiple top 25 teams, which I'm going to go over those a little bit later on in the show. Um it doesn't matter where he's at on the field or where you're at in the game. You feel comfortable with Max Duggan taking the snaps. Um, you just feel like whatever he's going to do is going to will you to victory. And it's impressive the way he does it because he doesn't do it in the flashiest ways, but he does it in ways that aren't going to shoot his team in the foot, but are going to give his team the best chance to succeed. Uh, you've seen it in the big 12 game against Kansas state. 95 yards alone by himself on the final drive to get them to overtime. I realize they lost that game, but it wasn't because of Max Duggan. Max Duggan had to be helped off the field after that drive and then went for two points and then got it and then went to overtime. Now, Grant, they lost Kansas State, who they beat early in the season. But let's not forget, he is also under a first-year head coach in Sonny Dykes. And Garrett Riley, I believe, is the um, offense coordinator, um, brother of Lincoln Riley ton of credit for what they've done with uh, Max Duggan this year. As far as his development goes, he was sitting on the bench at one point. Yes, he was a benched player and found his way to the Heisman, putting up 36 total touchdowns on the year. That alone is extremely impressive with what he's done down there. Um, Let's not forget, first-year head coach, that means they fired their head coach last year. That alone should say for itself. I don't think think Duggan wins it. Um, I also felt like if they would have won that um, Big 12 championship, it may put a little bit more, but I just feel like Duggan wasn't going to win it either way. Um, Caleb Williams, quarterback from USC, another first-year starter transfer from Oklahoma. Him and Lincoln Riley connected, obviously, to the tune of he put up 47 total touchdowns this year, 37 passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns. Extremely impressive year. Once again, first-year transfer. You have to wonder at a certain point, is Lincoln Riley the quarterback whisperer with 
if if Caleb Williams wins as a third Heisman candidate um, winning quarterback. You got to think that there's something there at a certain point. Um, you know, the one game that there's two games in my in my head and they're the latest two games from Caleb Williams that kind of stick in my head. Um, you know, the first one is Notre Dame. I feel like he had his Heisman moment against Notre Dame um, with the way he was able to literally look like a video game on the field. He couldn't be tackled by anyone that touched him. You had guys that had him five yards dead rights in the backfield and just left with Jersey. And then he completed it 40 yards down the field to Addison or, or um, Edwards or uh, you know, it's it's just incredible what he was able to do against Notre Dame. And even in the first half against Utah. So you've got your Heisman moment against Notre Dame. Absolutely. I mean, you've seen it on the sideline. He even did the Heisman post. I, I totally get it. But then you have the Utah game where he was injured sometime in that first half. Not sure exactly what happened, but he was definitely injured. You could tell he was hobbled by the way he was walking on and off the field. Still put up. 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. Now, I know they got Molly Watt by by Utah, and Utah is – that is a, another gritty-ass team that just – even when they were down, I think it was 17-3, you felt like Utah was not out of it. it that's got to be an incredible feeling. I don't know what that feels like as a college football fan, but even down that much, you still have the confidence that you're going to come back and make it a game. And they ended up winning the game by a large margin. Um. You could tell that Caleb Williams was not himself in that game, uh, especially in the second half, the way he was just getting just his ass whipped by um, Utah's defense. Um, I believe it's Morgan Scally, the defensive coordinator for Utah. My God, incredible what he was able to do um, with his scheme and just getting after Caleb Williams, knowing there was blood in the water and just getting after it. Kudos to him. Um, And then I'm going to go with the one that doesn't fit. One of these things is not like the other one. Stenson Bennett, the quarterback from Georgia. Um, interesting choice for the Heisman because this to me feels like a career achievement award. Um, since nobody else really popped off the page for that fourth spot, it, it just feels like to me this is a culmination of everything he's done, uh, starting as a walk-on quarterback to I believe his record was something in the range of like 25 and two over the last couple of years. Um, but they haven't lost a game. So I don't know how that's right, but either way, he, he's won an incredible amount of games. I believe this is the second um, regular season in which they have not lost a game. So impressive in itself. Um, I just don't see him. He doesn't, doesn't blow me away. Um, I do feel like Hendon hooker, um, injuring his knee and being out for the season is a big reason that Stenson Bennett is here. Uh, my Heisman favorite before he was injured was Blake Corum. What he was able to do at Michigan this year was absolutely incredible. I know that's what Harbaugh wants to do, and he found the perfect back to do it with Corum. Um, like I said, Blake Corum was was my Heisman favorite before the injury. It sucks he's had the knee surgery and everything, but. Um, that's a man, a young man that I think will be doing some good things in the NFL when he goes. Um, so I will say, while it comes down to all the quarterbacks having pretty good years, uh, I think Caleb Williams is the guy who ends up winning the Heisman. It just seems like with all the momentum he's had at the, at the end of the season, um, even with the loss to Utah, 
you could make an excuse for it. Hey, he was injured. He was this. He was that. I think the Notre Dame game outshined the Utah game. Now, granted, one was for a Pac-12 championship, but in the Heisman race, I feel like the I feel like the Notre Dame game will be the lasting image for a lot of people, um, especially a lot of voters. Um, I, I think he's going to be a Heisman winner. Um, and this was year one under Lincoln Riley. I've got to imagine that each year going forward, it's going to be a little bit more impressive. I shouldn't say a little bit more, a lot more impressive. Because not only do I feel like he's going to be more comfortable in the system, which makes sense, USC is is going to reload with bigger transfers. And and they've got a uh, pipeline going to five stars throughout the country. So while they missed the playoffs the first year, I think as long as Williams and Riley are both there, um, the I, I, I really think that they'll be in the playoffs in the next couple of years. But I do think Caleb Williams will be your uh, Heisman winner. Um, for the Heisman, or for the Heisman, of course. Um, let's bump on to the transfer portal, which will be the next thing. Absolute chaos right now. Nobody can make heads or tails of it. it, it every time that you check, um, or if you're like me, you check the transfer portal quite a bit just to see what's going on out there to try and get a read on things. I believe I read there were over a thousand players on the transfer portal already. This, unfortunately slash fortunately is the new norm for college football at least for the next few years um you have to think about the transfer portal like this and 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 um, i'll even you know put nil in the same sentence as transfer portal because these things go in cycles now with the transfer portal and nil being brand new additions to the college game you are you're finally seeing these athletes fully utilize the tools that are trans you know that are given to them um this is the first time that I remember, and I'm 32 years old, seeing athletes really have power um, over the institution or organizations, which I think is a great thing. Um, let, let's not forget these institutions, while, they, while they've been there for as much time as they have, without the athletes don't really mean shit. You need the athletes to make the organizations function. If you don't have the Jimmys and Joes, the X's and O's usually don't work. You got to have the guys there. So what I, I think it's a great thing for these, these athletes to be able to fully utilize the portal. Let's say, think of it like an adult for a minute, people. And I've used this example many a times because I've switched jobs. I know you all have as well. If you say you haven't, you're lying. Um, let's think of it like an adult for a second. Let's say you take a, you're, you're somewhere that you've been for a year. Things aren't going great didn't turn out the way you thought it was you could transfer to a another job or take another job with no repercussions for the most part may not be a good transfer that next job you go to may be the same situation but how do you know without taking that jump that's exactly what these kids are going on you got to think that these kids are 18 to 22 years old for the most part unless you're Stenson Bennett you're 25 but for the most part you've got 18 to 22 year old males I don't know if you guys know this or not, but your brain is not fully functioning or not fully formed 18 to 22. It's in your late 20s to early 30s that you really have a fully, everything's fully developed where it needs to be. So you're having these kids make one of the most important decisions of their life on social media. Social media may be their choice, but nonetheless, on where they're going to attend for the next four to five years. I don't know about you guys, but I know me as an 18 to 22 year old. I was a dumb shit. 
there is absolutely no reason I sh- or no way um, any decisions I made in that time frame should be held, it, which is the same thing I feel like with these kids. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to put a little bit of a caveat to that. While I do feel like the movement is a great thing for college football, I feel like it should be capped at a certain point. I do like the first free transfer after that. I feel like you're starting to develop a, a pattern. Um, you can't just transfer when things are a little bad. You got to transfer when it's a toxic, a toxic situation, a coaching tr- um, a move. Um, you know, there's got to be a big reason to just transferring because coach said something mean to me doesn't really work. You got to put up with a little bit of adversity now. But I do understand if it's a bad, toxic situation for you making a transfer to better yourself. I feel like there, there's a there's a line that we can all agree on that that's fine. But like I said, it, it, it goes in cycles. So I do feel like over the next four to five years, you're going to see a little bit of chaos, kind of like we're seeing right now, where play, play, or coaches have to re-recruit the roster a little bit more than, than they will have to. Once you get through an entire cycle, about four to five years, I do feel like you'll see it start to die down a little bit. I feel like you'll have you'll still have a lot of players in the portal, but I don't feel like you'll see the thousands, the 1500s that we're seeing now. Um, I feel like you're going to start to see things start to even out a little bit more. And same thing with NIL. You, you've got Texas A&M that's got a $20 million payroll this year, and you had 20 plus guys enter the transfer portal. That alone in itself should say that, hey, money's not going to make these kids happy. They, they still want to get to the next level, which Jimbo has proven multiple times. He's not able to coach a raw guy to where they need to be. If you've got a finished product, he can do what he did at Florida State. Doesn't strike me as one of the best coaches in the country to make $95 million. But nonetheless, let's get into some of the biggest transfer portal names right now. So I, I, I chot, you know, wrote a few down here. Um, of ones that I guess I should say were maybe not so much of a surprise, but some of the bigger names in the portal. Um, since we were talking about Texas A&M, we'll go with Texas A&M cornerback uh, Denver Harris, who's a five-star prospect before committing to Texas A&M. So, you know, very talented kid. Um, his problem was you get suspended. I think he was one of the guys that got suspended for maybe smoking in the locker room, uh, which isn't a good thing. Um, anytime you're, I don't give a fuck if you smoke weed. Number one, it should be legal there. But if you get caught smoking weed in the locker room, not a good, not a good, uh, not a good choice. We'll put it that way. He's a really talented kid. You don't get to five stars without being talented. Okay. But I feel like it's going to take a very strong locker room um, to really be able to see the potential of, of a kid like this. Um, and you can say that for a lot of kids. Sometimes you need strong strong figures in the room to really set someone straight or, or get them on the straight and narrow. So Denver Harris, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes to. Um, I'm going to go to another cornerback, um, uh, Fentrell Cypress from Virginia. There's another cornerback that I've seen a lot of Ohio State fans were, were pretty intrigued with. Um, I'd have to look again to see if he had a visit set up with him. But I know a lot of Ohio State fans were excited about him. Um, he's had quite a bit of play time. He's a junior corner. He's six foot, so he's a big, long corner. Um, you know, a guy that – those are the body types that if you're going to play man coverage like Knowles seems to want it to or it did against Michigan – 
those are the kind of body types that you want. You want these big, long kids that have really loose hips um, that can turn and, you know, mirror wide receivers out on the edge. Um, if you're going to a, a zone base, not so necessary. You better be able to tackle. But this is a big, long kid that I think if they're going to a more man coverage, I, I think would be a great pickup for Ohio State. Um, now let's get to the thick boys that everybody wants to talk about. Next two are going to be offensive linemen. First one is one of the hottest offensive linemen in the country that everybody wants. I believe as soon as he entered the transfer portal, he had 20-plus offers drop into his lap. The second one is already committed somewhere, or will be, is, is crystal balled and will be probably committed to this university. So the first one is Ajani uh, Cornelius, the offensive lineman from Rhode Island. Now, uh, 24-7 has him as a guard. I believe he played, uh, let's say it was 22 starts as a right tackle for Rhode Island, 22 straight starts. Also started uh, one game his freshman year as well. So uh, he is literally one of the biggest transfer portal players entering this this year. He's already in the portal, obviously. Um, He's going to be a huge get for whatever team lands him. Literally and figuratively, he's a day one starter. He allowed one sack last year, which is impressive in itself, considering most offenses are three to 500 snaps. That's impressive to allow one sack. Um, He said he had 20 offers drop into his lap as soon as he entered the transfer portal. Whoever gets him is getting a day one starter, 22 straight starts. You know, the accolades for this young man is very, very impressive. Um, what he was able to do for Rhode Island and and now able to move on to a, I don't want to say higher caliber, but a higher caliber program. You know, he earned first team all CAA football honors. Like I said, 11 straight tackle or 11 straight um, starts freshman year and same thing with sophomore year. Um Fifth in the CAA with 21 sacks in 11 games. Really damn good. Third highest scoring offense in the country. I mean, man, just just impressive. And a fluid athlete. Um, the kind of guy that you want at right tackle. Mean as hell. But he's a fluid athlete. And that's, that's what we're looking for. Um, I don't want a guy that's as stiff as a board that can't move. I don't want a guy that's. I'm just going to throw out numbers. Six foot, uh, six foot eleven, and four hundred pounds, and he can't move. I don't want those kind of guys. I want a six foot six guy that's three hundred pounds, but is like a dancing elephant, just just a nimble guy on his feet. That's what I want. I want a guy that can take a defensive end and mirror him, you know, wherever he goes on the field. I want that guy to be completely taken out of the game. So that's what I'm looking for with an offensive lineman. I think that's what we're going to be molding for. But that's why this guy is one of the hot, hottest transfer portal guys in the country is because he can do that. Um, so that's that's a Johnny uh, Cornelius. The next one is Ladarius Henderson. So he's an offensive lineman from Arizona State. It does sound like he will be transferring to Michigan uh, after starting 13 games for the Sun Devils last season. It seems like when Michigan finds an offensive lineman that they want, they get them, which makes complete sense because what they've had going on up there is starting to turn into, no offense to Nebraska fans, but a pipeline. 
when they find offensive linemen, they know what they want to do. They know how to mold them and they know they know how to project them to what they're going to be. Um, this would be the second instant impact offensive lineman for them in two seasons. Last year, they got Victor Oluwatami from Virginia. I hope I didn't butcher that too badly. I'm sure I did, but that's okay. He stepped in at center and absolutely destroyed all season. One of the top transfer porter additions in the country and one of the top offensive linemen in the country. Um, What they have going on at Michigan right now is extremely impressive. I do I, I got to say, and, I, and I'm going to take a little side note here. Um, I've said before, Nebraska, when they're in the rebuild process, should try to build like Michigan, not Ohio State. I don't feel like um, Nebraska can get the elite perimeter players right now. Um, I feel like down the line there's a possibility. But Michigan, built through the, the offensive and defensive lines, I feel like that's what Nebraska needs to do to rebuild. So going back to Michigan, um, extremely impressive. They, they're they a ground-and-pound team, um, but they can spread it out when they need to. Extremely impressive what Harbaugh has done the last couple of years, um, and, and I think these transfers have really helped um, get that offense to really blossom, if you will. Last one I'm going to mention today is going to be a real thorn in the side for Nebraska fans. This is a big one that uh, unfortunately may be going across the river. So let's talk about Ernest Hausman. Um, you know, what 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 can you say about that young man? Um, he's one of the few bright spots off a four and eight team from last year for Nebraska. Um, you know, early in the season looked looked like he was just trying to keep his head above water, which as a true freshman that had not seen a ton of playtime, that's completely expected. That was also under Chenander as well when there were a lot of check with me. He's a, a very complicated defense um, that revolved around having a lot of experience and knowing what you're seeing. You could tell he didn't really trust his eyes, but you can say that with a lot of players on that defense, which is why the, the change was made, um, plus losing a lot of games. But he's a very instinctual linebacker who is extremely twitchy and explosive. You've seen him really start to pop middle of the season to the end of the season. Once the mental game slowed down for him to where the physical game could match up, he absolutely cleaned up all over the field. Um, like I said, a very twitchy, explosive kid. You've seen it in high school, but now with the added weight um, and, and what he was able to do his, his freshman year, it, it was extremely impressive. And it does sound like he's going to be transferring to Iowa, which I'll admit as a Nebraska fan does suck. But that transfer tells me one thing, and I'm able to kind of pull myself back from the situation so I don't lose my shit. But um, pulling myself back from the situation, I completely understand why he would be making that move. I don't think it's to throw dirt in Nebraska's face or anything like that. I think what it is is Ernest Hausman's a very smart kid. Um, talked to him a couple of times and very smart kid comes from a great family. Um, he's a kid that I could definitely see him having his eyes down the road and knowing that I want to play in the league. I always got a track record of putting linebackers in the league and coaching them up extremely well. Most recent one's going to be Jack Campbell. Just, uh, you know, he, I believe he won a few awards this year as well. Uh, talked about him preseason. That that's one of the stalwarts on that defense. Um, 
he was he was incredible. But I think Houseman could step in and make plays like that um, over time, just because he's that physically talented. I think once the once you know learning a new system, which he would most likely be doing in Iowa, it, it may take him a couple games. But I his athleticism plus feel for the game plus just him being a, a, a damn good player. I I think whoever gets him, unfortunately, if it is Iowa, is getting a goddamn good player. Um, Ernest Hausman is absolutely incredible. I don't have enough nice things to say about the kid. Talk to him. Phenomenal kid. Like I said, great family. It just 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 a salt of the earth kid. Um, sucks he's transferring. Would I don't think Nebraska is completely out of it, but I have it maybe under maybe under five percent that he would come back. I think he's an Iowa guy. Um, you know, McNamara over there. Um, he was he was photographed with him the other day, I believe. Um, so you know, it kind of is what it is. Um, I wish the kid the best. Unfortunately, it would be with Iowa. So maybe if he can have one bad game a season, totally kidding, Ernest. Um, good luck where you go. So let's bump on to I'll do a little playoff talk now. I know it's a little early. We got about a month, but it's it's fine. We we got plenty of time to break this down so i you know i'm going to start with the uh, one versus four matchup um georgia versus ohio state so ohio state 11 and one with wins and these wins are going to be at the time where they had them ranked um so take that for what you will uh number five notre dame number 13 penn state but 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 but, but. like i said they were 11 and one that one was a big loss to michigan that's a big rivalry game, 45-23. It's not, it's not what you want on the record. I, I know um, people are starting to second-guess second guess day a little bit because of that. So um, I believe those are the only two Big Ten games he's lost as a head coach. I know that's insane, but people are calling for calling for day a little bit. And that's, and that's okay. Hey, I get it. Nebraska was 0-7 against Iowa the last few years, so. I completely get coaches getting fired for not winning those rivalry games. Um, going on to Georgia, 12-0 and with wins at the time against number 11, Oregon, number 2, Tennessee, and then number 11 in the SEC, or number 11, LSU in the SEC championship. So that's kind of the record. That's kind of what, you, what you're looking at from there. So I, I do have some questions, though, and I guess the biggest one is, does it feel like Ohio State backed into the championship? And I don't mean that as, a, as any uh, disrespect toward Ohio State fans. I, I, you know, I like watching the Buckeyes play as well, but I don't think so. I don't think they backed into the championship. I think they're an extremely talented team. Um, Ohio State obviously has one of the top recruiting classes every year, but it's not only that. It's what they do with these guys. I, I feel like the matchup is going to be with the wide receiver core for Georgia or sorry, uh, Ohio State versus the secondary of Georgia. Now, you've seen with LSU in the in the SEC championship. Now, take this with a grain of salt. You know, they really, it seemed to open up the game once Nussmeyer came in. Um, you know, Daniels was able to put up some yardage too. Between the two of them, Nussmeyer and Daniels, they put up about 502 yards of uh, passing yardage. There, there's many reasons why that could be what it is. You know, number one, Georgia's up by 30. Um, 
so so you're going to play back a little bit. You don't need to play press coverage every down, no. Um, you know, you've got Nussmeyer who had very little game film on him as well. So, you know, he's a different quarterback than Daniels, but what does he do? Well, sometimes it's hard to tell without knowing. And then once again, they were up by 30. It's just kind of how it goes. So I don't put a ton of stock into that because Georgia's got some very um, impressive secondary guys, but it's just kind of something to watch out for. Just is it a pattern or is it a once off? I think it may be. I think it may be a little bit more of a once off, but we'll find out because I think the biggest matchup or one of the ones I'm most excited for is because it's a matchup of future NFL players. And I could say even future all pro players in the league. Um, Keely Ringo, the cornerback from um, Georgia going against Marvin Harrison Jr. That's the matchup I want to see. If they could give me just a camera on those two all night, I would be extremely happy. Um, think about it like this. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a six foot four, 205 pound wide receiver who is built like a brick shed house. Keely Ringo is a six foot two, 210 pound corner. That's right. Six foot two, 210 pound corner who is an absolute stud. Um, this is going to be a battle. Like I said, future all pros, it's going to be a battle of two top 10 picks when they come out. Uh, I, I think Ringo, Ringo will, or Keely Ringo will be this season. And I feel like uh, Harrison will be next season, but nonetheless, um, actually, is he a red shirt? I have to look into that. So maybe it may be two years for Harrison, but um, anyway, those two, uh, I'm extremely excited to watch those two match up against each other because just the talent level between those two, the catches you've seen Harrison make this year in uh, the physicality of Ringo is, is, God, that's that's must watch TV. I will say, now this is who I think will get the best of the matchup. I honestly, I feel like Ringo may get the better of Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to make some catches. I feel like he's going to get some yards. I don't feel like we'll see a typical Marvin Harrison Jr. game out of him. Now, I know how much the game is slanted toward um, offenses being productive. I'm well aware of that. I see it every week. But I feel like this is, um, I feel like this is, you know, a game that it's not going to come down to Harrison winning it. He'll get his catches. I think for the most part, he'll be held in check. I feel like it's going to be more of a game where uh, Ameka Egbuka, Egbuka, there we go, Jesus Christ, is going to need to come up big and have a big game. As the number two guy. Yeah, I know that's insane to say that he's the number two guy, but he is. And here's here's his stat line. Um, Egbuka, 66 catches, 1,039 yards, nine touchdowns. Harrison's stat line for the year is absolutely insanity. 72 touch catches, uh, 1,157 yards, and 12 touchdowns. So that's your top two wide receivers, and I don't know how you hold both in check, so... I don't feel like it's one on Harrison. I feel like it's going to be the number two guy that's got to make some plays. Um, can Ohio State run the ball? You cannot, cannot afford to be one-dimensional against the Bulldogs, who have one of the best, not only defensive lines in the country, but one of the best players in the country in Jalen Carter. You've seen it in the SEC Championship when he picked uh, Jalen Daniels up with one arm and held him there with the other arm straight in the air. Uh 
yeah, you, you got to be able to run the ball. Um, you got to be able to run the ball against the, the Bulldogs. It's going to be tough, but you got to be able to do it. Um, at least be able to keep them honest. Can Jim Knowles scheme something up against the powerful run game of the Bulldogs? Because while they're productive through the air with, you know, Ladd McConkey, who is, is a three-star receiver uh, and makes some gigantic plays for them, the passing game doesn't scare you as much. But they do have one of the best offensive lines in the country under Stacey, Stacey Searles, which I got to wonder how much longer he's going to be there as a offensive line coach. And I don't think he's going to get poached anywhere else except for a head coach job. Um, offensive linemen make great head coaches. Same thing with special teams coordinators. They make great head coaches. They also have some of the consistently top running backs in the country running behind that great offensive line. And this is not even mentioning Brock Bowers getting jet sweeps. So can the Buckeyes scheme something up to stop that Georgia run game? You, you know, you, your defensive line for Ohio State is very talented with JT Tuomolo, um, who is one of the top defensive line prospects in the country. Can your linebackers, though, fill when they need to? Can they take on those gigantic six foot six pulling linemen that are athletic and run probably four eights? Can they can they take those guys on? Can that secondary fill when they need to? You haven't seen anyone do it thus far this year. I I I don't know if the Buckeyes can either. Um it's just Georgia may be head and shoulders above everybody else this year, unfortunately. So um, last last uh, point on this is Stenson Bennett. How, I just don't get it. How the hell is he mentioned in the Heisman? I know I mentioned it earlier, but I just don't I just don't get Stenson Bennett being mentioned there. Other than you don't have anyone else to put there. I get it. He's an absolute winner. I can't take that away from him. He doesn't shoot his team in the foot. He puts his team in constant positions to win. But this isn't a career achievement award. This is who is the best player in college football this year. It's not Stenson Bennett. I don't get how he's on the ballot other than it's a career achievement award. And if that's the case, great. I just don't see it. So um, I'm going to bump on to the other playoff game now. I've got number two, Michigan versus number three, TCU. I feel like in a lot of ways, this game is going to mirror the one versus four matchup, Georgia versus Ohio State. I think you've got one team that wants to spread out the defense and capitalize on matchups. And you've got the other one that just beat wants to beat the hell out of you for 60 straight minutes. Um, TCU, once again, 12 on the year, 12 and one on the year extremely impressive for an experienced head coach that's been there for multiple years, let alone one that's in his first year in coach Sonny Dykes. So we got to give him credit there. Um, he was able to pull off being in the big 12, not only the big 12 championship, but also being in the playoff hunt after being, I believe it was sixth or seventh preseason in the country in, in, in the big 12. Extremely impressive. TCU beat at the time, number 18, Oklahoma. 
number 19, Kansas, number eight, Oklahoma State, number 17, Kansas State, number 18, Texas, before a loss to number 13, uh, Kansas State in the in the Big 12 title championship. I mean, that's one, two, three, four, five. They were five and one against top 25 competition. And their loss, Kansas State in the in the championship was one of the better games I've ever seen. Probably one of the best Big 12 title championships. Um, you know, you've got your your um refs that step in and and like I said, they they've got a um a track record of messing up the Big 12 title championship for one team since going back to 2009. I mean, track record of it, good on them. Um, but, you know, 5-1 and one against top 25 teams, extremely impressive. Max Duggan is a hell of a story. It's, I mean, it's let's not act like he wasn't a talented kid. He was, but he was a raw kid coming out of uh, Council Bluffs. I believe it was AL. Um, I think it was AL. Um, but he made his way down to TCU. Uh, starting as a very young quarterback, it took his bumps and bruises. He got benched. He won his job back, and now he's in the Heisman race. He won the Davey O'Brien Award for the top quarterback in the country, which is, you know, you could literally make a movie about this year for for TCU if you wanted to. It just depends how it ends. Um, does it end like Friday Night Lights, or does it end with them riding off in the sunset? It's extremely impressive what they've done. Uh, It's not like he's done it all by himself. He had Kandre Miller in the backfield, who is a guy that put up 1,458 total scrimmage yards and 17 touchdowns. So it's not a one-man job, or it's not a one-man show back there. But Duggan has multiple times taken this team and put them on his shoulders to win the game. So, you know, TCU is is a hell of a story this year. But on the other side, you know, you've got Michigan who is in year number eight under Jim Harbaugh. He's in the playoff picture for the second straight year. He's 13-0 and on the season with some big victories along the way, like number 10, Penn State, and number two, rivalry game over Ohio State. Uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy's looked extremely impressive as a young quarterback this year. He stepped in for Cade McNamara when he was early, or injured early on. 20 touchdowns, three interceptions on the season. That's what you want out of your young quarterback. Don't hurt us. Don't turn the ball over. If we can run the ball like we've been doing, great. Just don't turn the ball over. And he hasn't. Um, You know, like I said, Cade McNamara injured early on. Uh, Sucks to see, but transferred to Iowa. So I I believe Iowa's getting a great quarterback in McNamara for what they want to do. The one concern you have about McCarthy was his deep accuracy. He missed multiple deep shots all year long. But in the Big Ten Championship, he showed that that's not a problem. He was able to do it with relative ease against Ohio State. Could be for multiple two reasons. But one of the big reasons is is those receivers for Michigan just won. They they beat the, the the secondary for Ohio State. They couldn't get pressure on on McCarthy. Gave him time. He made a guy miss and. You see what happened. That's how they won the game. Uh, it was an extremely impressive game by him, and one of his I feel like his best game. As, as a Wolverine. Um, Blake Quorum, obviously done for this season with a knee injury. Sucks to see because he was having such an incredible year. I believe he had 17 touchdowns when he went down for the injury against Illinois. Um, he was my favorite for the Heisman race before the injury. I just, something about Quorum just really draws me to him he, as a Big Ten running back, and I feel like he's going to be a great pro. 
Um, Donovan Edwards, though, the backup running back, I shouldn't say backup, I should say co-running back, is somehow he's he is much more explosive than Corum, which does bode well for the Wolverines and how they want to play the game. He's a guy that can get involved in all facets of the game, running the ball, um, passing the ball even, and receiving the ball. Um, you know, they've got to be able to utilize him in the passing game. Uh, it, it's he runs like a wide receiver. I mean, it's, it's an extreme match, a mismatch. If you can get him on a linebacker, or even a safety, he's going to make plays. Now, the criticism of the offense could be that the, the passing numbers won't blow your socks off or won't blow you away. That's OK when you run the ball as well as they do. Uh, they control the game. You you see it weekly. Um, first half is usually a close game. Second half is where they blow, you know, pull away with the body blows. They really beat the hell out of teams. They do what they want to do, and they do it well. Um, they're they're a bully in the Big Ten and in the country right now. Harbaugh has that team running like Stanford did, running like the 49ers did. He's got that bully mentality. And bringing up the transfer again, uh, Victor Oluwatami, um, he turned out about as well as the transfer portal can, can give you um, a, a 12 or 13 game starter at this point for them. And that offensive line is in, in sync every play. It's, it's absolutely incredible. The craziest thing is this defense for the Wolverines is somehow better after losing multiple uh, NFL draft picks, including number two overall pick Aiden Hutchinson. I absolutely love what Michigan does on both sides of the ball. Uh, they, they just dominate the game and beat the hell out of you. I absolutely love what they do. Truly envious of it. Um, just because they play their style, you have to adapt to it. You don't want to get punched in the face? Figure it out. Because we're going to keep punching you in the face. That's what we're going to do. We do it well. I can't wait um, to see a team in Scarlet and Cream around here doing the same thing. But... That that's kind of my little overview of the playoffs. Um, I, you know, obviously as the as it gets closer, I'd like to break it down a little bit deeper. But I do want to finish up here with 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 coaching hires throughout the country. Um, like I said, these are guys that I put an A hire on, and these are guys that I think are going to do some really good things at their program. I'm going to start off with with a, a easy one. Um, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. I've got this as an A hire. So here's the thing. I'm going to tip my cap to the Badgers for making this hire happen. I was very iffy on, um, I believe it's McIntosh, Chris McIntosh, the new AD at at Wisconsin. Um, His handling of the coaching hire with Leonard was always strange to me, and it seemed like it was going to backfire at any moment. But this was a huge power move that I don't think anybody in the country seen coming. I know he's bringing a few of his assistants with him, uh, to the new staff at Wisconsin. But remember, Phil Longo, the former offensive coordinator from North Carolina, which I think I said a couple weeks back on the show, is I don't know how much longer he's going to be at North Carolina. I don't know how much longer they can keep him because I feel like he kind of capped out where he was going to be there this year with Drake May. And I know he's a young quarterback and everything, but I just feel like the surroundings and everything with that team, he was kind of wearing out his welcome. So he will be accompanying uh, Fickle in Madison. now. I know we've heard the, you know, Phil Longo runs the air raid offense and and they're going to go five wide and throw the ball and pretty much like they did under Gary Anderson a few years back. But here's the thing. 
Finn Longo is multiple enough that when he's got the backs in the backfield, he uses them. He knows how to use them. Uh, I believe it was when he had Javante Williams at uh, North Carolina. Him and the running back were top five in the country in touchdowns that year. Rushing touchdowns. They, When you've got the backs and you've got the setup for it, they will beat the hell out of you. Braylon Allen, I feel like, is going to have a great season because of what I just said. Now, the biggest loss, I feel like, is Jim Leonard leaving the program and leaving the defensive side and, and just not being there in general. Um, to me, this would be an A-plus hire if they could have kept Leonard on staff. I know it was almost impossible at this point, but th- that's the only thing that could have made this hire a little bit better. Um, I feel like Fickle is instantly top half of the conference hire right now um, with Braylon Allen in the backfield. As long as he doesn't get poached away, I feel like this sets up for a, a pretty good season for him. Um, I won't say he's number one, but I feel like he's in the top half of the conference as far as hires go. So, um, And the reason is, he hasn't coached the game in the Big Ten. I will not put a coach that hasn't coached in the Big Ten above guys like Day, um, Franklin, Harbaugh, uh, you know, even Bielema. It's You, you can't put him up there because you don't know what he's going to do yet. Um, so I will go to a former Big Ten coach now in uh, Louisville hiring Jeff Brom. To me, a hire, another a hire. Um, kudos to Louisville for pulling this one out. With Satterfield making the move to Cincinnati, it really opened up the floodgates for Brom uh, to, run, to return to home to Louisville. And as they say, when mama comes calling, you answer the call. Um, Louisville got one of the best play designers and play callers, play callers in college football. I mean, not a, nothing else really needs to be said. He's a former um, Louisville guy himself. I believe was in the... 89 to 92, I think he played quarterback for him down there. Um, so he's familiar with what to expect down there. This was the best case scenario for Louisville. Um, you know, Purdue coming off a Big Ten or a Big Ten title ch- uh, challenge against uh, Michigan. Purdue, I think, maxed out where they're going to be. Um, and no offense to Purdue there, but I feel like you know, Brom, Brom made the right choice. Um, going back home to Louisville. Um, you know, he does have a quarterback already in the transfer portal with a Western Kentucky transfer, Austin Reed, who put up some phenomenal numbers last year, 36 touchdowns on the year. Um, with the current quarterback, uh, Malik Cunningham, entering the draft, couldn't couldn't set up better for Jeff Brom. Uh, I feel like Austin Reed's a little bit better of a quarterback for what he wants to do anyway than Cunningham. Cunningham, while a great athlete, didn't really fit the uh, precision passing model. <clears throat> So, you know, good luck to him um, down there in Louisville. Glad he is out of the Big Ten. This next one, uh, actually the next two are going to be very controversial picks. Deion Sanders at Colorado. I feel like he's an A hire. Here's why. He's flashy. He's a winner. Here's my question. Can Deion win at a place like Colorado? Colorado, with higher academic standards and almost no money budget-wise, in the Pac-12, has been a doormat the last few years. Granted, they beat Nebraska. Don't give a fuck. It's still been a Pac-12 doormat. What he brings to the table is ability to recruit, to talk with kids, and have people excited to play for him. He's a very, very charismatic dude. You've seen that through his time at Jackson State and even his time at at Colorado. He's a very charismatic dude. He's going to have to utilize that transfer portal hard. 
But by doing that, I feel like he's going to make more noise at Colorado than they've had in years there. Now, that's not me saying he's going to go from 1-11 to 11-1, but I do feel like they're going to win a lot more games because of the influx of talent that they're going to be getting, not only from the portal, but I feel like they're going to get some guys recruited in from the high school level as well, and maybe even some Juco recs. You know Dion's going to load his staff with some heavy hitters. He's already got one with Mike Zimmer as defensive coordinator. I'm sure he's going to match that with the offense coordinator spot. Now, is Zimmer one of the best minds in, in, in pro football? Uh, was let go by the Vikings. He should be better off by just being able to concentrate on the defensive side of the ball. I'm interested to see what they do on the offensive side of the ball. He's already got his son, uh, Shadur, uh, as, as the starting quarterback there. So be interesting to see what that looks like there. My biggest question for Colorado right now, because they're, they're, they're flying high on the Dion hire, which I totally get. You got a new coach. Um, they're, they're very excited about him. Dion's a flashy dude. But my question is, because he didn't see a ton of adversity down at um, Jackson State, is how do they handle adversity? That's going to be a big question. My last one is going to be Auburn hiring Hugh Freeze. Now, here's the thing. I think Hugh Freeze is damn good. He's a damn good coach. Proof is in the results. 76-47 and 47 overall, and one of the few guys to have multiple wins over Nick Saban. Offensively, the guy can coach a team and knows what he wants to do. He's been successful everywhere he's been, okay? As a coach, sometimes you got to be able to separate the coach from the person. As a coach, he's an A-plus hire. But after scandals at Old Miss with impermissible benefits, that's just before you can pay coaches. Or pay players, excuse me. I don't have any problem with paying players. I'm good with it. $100 handshakes have been going on for forever. But it's more the cell phone incident with escorts. And then, while being at Liberty, while winning, continuing to do some, we'll say, sketchy things by harassing some uh, females on on campus. Can't do that. Not good. That's an F hire right there. But I can separate a coach from a person. Um, this is a hire that Auburn had to make if you wanted to put some fear in Alabama, I'll say. I don't know if it's going to be an immediate turn, but I feel like Hugh Freeze is going to have them um, offensively really rolling this year. Don't know if that's going to be to the tune of uh, a 10 wins, but I think Hugh Freeze will be able to get that offense going to where it needs to be enough. I think he's going to make some good hires. I, I, do, I just will say one more thing. Anytime the university has to take control of your Twitter account <laughs> when they hire you on, probably not a great hire um, from an optics standpoint. But as a coach standpoint, I totally get it. Um, good luck. To, good luck to him. Like I said, I didn't break down the rule hire because as a Nebraska fan, I've done it enough and I, and I will do it on our other podcast here, possibly on Sunday. So that's all I got, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining me today on the uh, Saturday morning service. I had fun doing it. Look forward to doing these in the future. Um, I'd like to do them weekly as well, just to be able to give uh, our listeners a broader experience in college football and hopefully get some new ones. Um, I know a lot of people have said that if we covered a wider uh, span of teams, they'd listen. So hopefully we can get some more listeners and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Let me know your feedback on it. Um, thanks again, everybody for joining me. Have a great weekend and, uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were 
are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red.